Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. It's your girl, Sandra, and we're back here to recap another Chicago Red Stars victory. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster and talk about that kind of stuff. But I can't do it alone. I can never do it alone. So I invited my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. the Scam Originator. Claire, how you doing tonight? Doing great. I love talking about wins. I'm here for wins. Winning is feels kind of nice, doesn't it? It's like it's not getting old. Uh, wasn't pretty the way this win happened. Yeah, it's like I it's like I used to think that draws were nice, but now I'm like, wow, winning is so much better than that. You know what? It's 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 almost like the scam got too real, and the scam was just like something that was just like reoccurring and it was like hold on a second I don't know if I want to live this life right especially a game like this weekend where I thought the scam was about to be pulled on us uh man yeah it was not feeling good now we're definitely gonna talk about that and you could talk about it from um you know sort of Watching the game sort of remotely, I was there. Uh, I can only imagine what watching that game live <laughs> was like. I just, it was, ooh. in a word, wild, my yeah. friend. But let's get right into it. Um, Chicago won this game 1-0. And they had themselves starting lineup uh, with Alyssa Nair and Nett. Aaron Gillen, Katie Naughton, Julie Ertz, Casey Short uh, rounding out the back line there. You had uh, Danny Colaprico, Morgan Bryant, Alyssa Motts. Yuki Nagasato, D. Bernardo, and Sam Kerr rounding out the starting 11. And uh, I'm not going to lie, uh, I was real, real hyped when I saw that starting 11. Um, just because of the preview that I had done for that week, uh, pretty much had that starting 11. And I was really excited about, in general, I've been really excited about this sort of 4-2-3-1 uh, kind of vibe that's been going on for Chicago. So I, I liked... This starting eleven, I think it it could be sort of um, a, a closer idea to what a regular starting eleven could or should or might look like for Chicago moving forward, um, as as far as like everything clicking and Sands injuries, you know, knock on wood and stuff like that. What do you think of this lineup, Claire? I liked it a lot. I liked uh, specifically really leaning into that four two three one and getting Mots in there. Um, with, uh, with, with Yuki, uh, to, to help make things happen for Kerr. And I also think that I, I always feel like, because we have, we have a pivot player, right. In, in Julie Ertz, where she can either, you know, be that defensive midfielder or she can be in center back. And every time I see a starting lineup, I feel like the coaching staff has made the right decision based on who they're playing as to where she fits on the field. Yeah, no, I love it. I think um, just just looking at um, a player like Juliet specifically on this back line, right, against a team like Seattle, um, who you know for the most part I'm got to got to give give the props where the props are called for. So I think this first half, for the most part, um, I felt was was pretty even. I know there were some statistical areas where uh, Chicago maybe, you know, had the advantage and then Seattle had the advantage in others, like whether it was like um, total passes or uh, possession and where Chicago ended up coming away with um, more of like the total shots as far as like the first half, I would, I would still give Seattle maybe like that slight edge 
in the first half because there was there were some moments there where they were definitely getting through that back line, even though I think what we're seeing right now is is probably our, you know, probably probably the, the strongest back line to date. I mean, you've got Casey Short, Juliards, Katie Naughton, and this, well, what we saw in this game, this sort of hybrid outback version of both Gillen and, and, and Sarah Gordon. Um, I don't, I think on paper looking at that sort of back line, you kind of, you kind of go like, holy shit, that's a hell of a back line. And I really love that partnership between Julie Ertz and, uh, and Katie Naughton. I think it's coming along real, real well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think, um, we all know how good short and Gilliland are on, uh, on, on the outside. And, and I, I will, I will admit that actually at the beginning of the season, I was, uh, talking a whole lot of mess. I really liked Gilliland up, pushed up a little bit further, but, um, since things are now getting so tight and especially when you're playing a team that is a close rival for, you know, one of those playoff spots, I think, I think you have to have those players back there and the way Naughton has developed in the way she plays, with Julie Ertz is, is fantastic. And I'd love to see that continue throughout, you know, the rest of the season. Yeah. And I think, I think the big, big things that are, that are coming out of these games and specifically this game <clears throat> against Seattle was, was just the, the 90 minutes that you saw from certain players, you know, your 90 minutes that you got out of Casey short, the 90 minutes that you got out of Vanessa DiBernardo, I mean, the 90 minutes that you got out of Morgan Bryan were were just awesome. I mean, Morgan Morgan Bryan, I think there was there was a lot of physicality in this match. And uh Well, she got laid out. Early. She got laid out. I was gonna say Morgan Bryan was the one that sort of was a domino that started this whole it just kicked off this whole thing, right? I think it was like 10 minutes into the match, like she just gets laid out by Beverly Yanez, and I was like whoa like and just you know that was like the first free kick that uh, the Red Stars ended up getting as far as you know because of like a really hard challenge because of a very very physical sort of challenge for the ball and I was kind of like okay like it didn't surprise me I feel like when these two teams play each other you sort of have to mentally get like prepare yourself for that type of match. I I always really appreciate and enjoy when Chicago and Seattle both play each other. I I think we tend to get some really fun games. I think we tend to get some uh, really good soccer um even when they are like 0-0 draws, <laughs> you know, like earlier in the season was a really fun goalkeeper battle. Um <clears throat> but this one especially was just uh you ended up just sort of seeing one team get more of like the heavier brunt of all that stuff. And it ended up being Chicago. And that wasn't the first or the last time <laughs> that Morgan Bryan took some pretty heavy hits in this match. Like that was just like the earliest one. And I, it didn't surprise me because I felt really early in this match, Chicago was really trying to establish themselves and sort of set the tone for this match. I think the first two opportunities or the first two attempts actually like came from the Red Stars. Like the first couple minutes out 
in this match, you had Casey Short find Sam Kerr, you know, and like her her header, like she just ended up going wide, and then like Mott's sort of laid one off for Kerr again, it like right up like a couple minutes like after that, so it was very very early. So I I. I, I just felt like even though that fizz, like Chicago was trying to set that tempo and I feel like Seattle was trying to counter that and just try to disrupt that. And you saw that physicality sort of come in really early, whereas like maybe you would think that kind of physical play would come in gradually or a little later into the game. It just it, it started to happen very early. And I think it's because Chicago sort of kind of came out of the gate and was just sort of trying to to establish themselves. And I think. I think all that kind of that stuff kind of came to a head when it, I think it was right around the 35th or, or 36th minute um, when all of a sudden you saw Sam Kerr was fouled by Jess Fishlocks and she was issued a yellow and Chicago was given a, a free kick uh, right outside of the box there. Pretty, pretty good position. But just behind that, uh, Aaron Gilliland got, got sort of laid out um, just again, like on another very, very physical challenge and on the replay just didn't look like there was anything very um malicious about it uh if anything you just saw these two players sort of go for this challenge and then you saw Gilliland just sort of reach for her neck immediately um and then we sort of all kind of witnessed uh what happened from there but it was a really really kind of scary moment in the stadium for sure what was it like sort of watching that maybe on the go 90 stream I mean, it started, I, man. It, okay. I, you said so many good things. I want to, I want to start with one and then I'll, I'll move forward. Um, oh, I like I when like, you tell me nice things, Claire. Yeah, well, I <laughs> so good at this. Um, <laughs> you, I really liked that you used the word uh, disrupt because I think that's absolutely what Seattle was trying to do. Uh, Chicago had a game plan and they wanted to score early and, and Seattle instinct to that was to try to disrupt what the red stars were doing. And, um, I, I have found, and I think many other people who have been watching this year have found that, um, some of the dis the disruptive midfields, maybe talking about a team like Utah, you could even put the red stars in there early, early look red stars in there. You could put Seattle in there. Um, as the season has progressed, um, with what they've been allowed to kind of get away with from the refereeing, uh, disruption is actually getting more and more kind of dangerous, not only for the, the players that are on the other side of that, but for the players who are trying to disrupt themselves. Um, I, I continuously surprised when, uh, Gunny Yon's daughter for, for Utah doesn't get hurt. Um, Jess Fishlock, I think puts herself at risk a lot. And they're just trying to, you know, assert authority in the midfield. I'm not saying any of it is uh, is dirty, but it does open up these situations where people can get really hurt. And specifically in, you know, that 30 to 45th minute uh, span in that game, uh, you had tackles starting to get a little bit more... Uh, aggressive from Seattle's side and yeah the and then to go from there watching it on the stream the 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 hard part about watching these games especially on the go 90 streams is um you don't see a lot of the off the ball stuff uh you 
don't uh the the broadcast the commentary is also kind of they're watching the same stream you are so they don't have any more information than you do in that moment and and then it's so the primary emotion is generally more just one of confusion because you didn't see what happened you don't know what's going on it looks serious but you don't know why the commentary doesn't know why and so obviously what I do there is I switch over to social media and I was just reading what you and, and John Halloran were, were saying on Twitter and it sounded like it was very, very serious. So from that respect, I'm like, oh, I have now just been informed how scary this situation <laughs> is and I am therefore yeah. reacting to it like later. I, um, I can't even front. I, uh, this, this team is celebrating their, their 10th year in existence, right? And um, as far as N- NWSL, you know, the team is six years old in, in the NWSL. And I, I can't, for people who don't know, I've, I, I haven't been covering this team um, professionally, like on a journalistic level f- for the, the six years that they've been in the NWSL. I've only been, this is my third season covering this team. Um, I cannot, I cannot, remember a more tense stressful situational moment in Toyota Park than what was going on in the 37th minute in that first half it was um absolutely unreal uh it was highly emotional and um at points got real stupid for lack of a better word um just because um, of sort of the chaos that kind of ended up happening during it, actually. Uh, multiple personnel on the pitch, both coaches, um, Megan Rapino taking the opportunity to make loud noises to the official. Um, just, just very, very intense. And I mean, we're talking about, Jesus Christ, you had Taylor Camo bleeding, you know, having a lung contusion. I believe it was last season against yeah, this the spirit, is the you know, and this, Red was, Star this was, is, uh, it was bad. Yeah. It was a scary moment, but it's like, even then it's like, you're talking about a player that coughing up blood who pops up off the pitch and like goes over to the sideline. He's like, Oh yeah, that's uh that's blood. Better sub me out. And even then it was just like, you know, it was just a, a sub was made and, and that was it and blah. And so you're fast forwarding like to this moment and it was just like very, very intense. I think the fact that it was um, uh, uh, what people were assuming at that time was was a neck injury, you know, um, and you don't have any information about that at that time. You know, you're it's just. Yeah, all in people, the and people then all this- kept repeating that uh, the big thing that I just remember like seeing was that she wasn't moving. People were like, she's not moving. And when, and I'm sure that was the case, but when someone isn't moving, you don't know if it's because they can't or if it's because they've been told not to. Right, been instructed so, not to move. Exactly. So you're just like, you, you know what you're seeing, but you don't necessarily know why. Um, and I think also we talk all the time, uh, like you, you like you as a viewer know it's bad when the player knows that it's bad. 
right? Like Amy Rodriguez when she blew her ACL or even Kelly O'Hara when she did her hamstring again a couple weeks ago. Um, They knew it was bad. And so therefore, you know, it's bad. And so in that respect, it seemed like uh, the concern around Gilliland was because she was very freaked out. And so that is very scary, too. Yeah. And it was uh, just very intense. I I can't recall a moment where um, I think when a player goes down with a a huge injury like that and you see coaches come on the pitch to check on their player, that that's not uncommon. But I think something that um, just sort of elevated or just sort of heightened the emotional aspects of that moment was just the fact that there was family that ended up being on the pitch at one, at one point, at one point in time over the PA system, they, they had a announcement for her fiance to meet, um, to go meet at a specific gate, you know, to depart, you know, via the ambulance, you know, it was, it was very, very intense. I think, um, it was just, yeah, it was just a very, very scary moment. And it's, it's very scary at you know, and then you're sort of at the same time having to, you're trying to report on it as, as best you can. And you're not, you're sort of receiving information on the fly. And um, you still have uh, 55 more minutes of soccer and left. You still have a ton of soccer, soccer to play. play. It was like soccer. the longest, yeah, the longest 10 minutes, right? It was agonizing. Um, I think for everybody, whether you were there inside the stadium uh, witnessing it or whether you were just sort of watching via a stream. Um, but it ended up it ended up happening before we ended up recapping the, the rest of this game. And it ended up being that it a lot of it was, you know, due to, you know, just precautionary measures that, you know, after after that incident, you know, Gillen was immediately, you know, transported via ambulance, you know, to a local hospital. And then it ended up coming out that the update was that, you know, she was evalu- evaluated for a, a cervical spine injury, but that they ran plenty of tests and um, that they ran x-rays and that everything ended up coming back normal. Um, and that she's at the, right now she's just going to continue uh, just, you know, resting and eventually just be uh, reevaluated by, I believe team doctors. So uh, that was the good news to come out post game. Like actually like the next, the next uh, day really. Um, because even as we did some post game, we kind of got like some similar answers where it's like, Oh, well, you know, we'll have a further update later on along the line, but absolutely a moment that I think just, um, changed, um, changed the game completely. Um, I think it, it, if it just ended up impacting the overall, uh, fan experience, I think of the game in a whole other level. I mean, I got to shout out everybody at Toyota Park. I mean, I, I know a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of noise is made about attendance for clubs who aren't Portland or Utah. And their struggles to, you know, maintain a consistent um, attendance. But for for the three thousand three hundred seventy five people that were there, they were they were pretty loud and they were pretty mad at Megan Rapinoe um, as far as her reaction to um, basically non team personnel or just the fact that Rory Dames was what she assumed was uh, coaching on the pitch, um, both, both sides of that, um, have like different sort of outlooks on that. You've got Seattle and Rapino who, who said that it was, you know, just, she was complaining about the fact that there was a coaching opportunity for Rory Dames and you have Rory Dames, you know, 
just saying that he was out there checking on his uh, player. Um, so it's I mean, I, 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 whoever you want to believe, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the way I kind of – with the whole picture of it, right, um, starting from a very scary moment uh, with Gilliland and then going into halftime – and then finding and then and then actually I want to maybe intercede with some of the post game comments from Rory, which uh, indicated that what he saw on the field was um, that once Gilliland kind of had some of the adrenaline kind of flow out a little bit, she was in better shape than maybe it initially looked. Um, and I guess if him having the ability to relay that information to his team at halftime is coaching, I guess that's coaching. But I also think that um, it's, it's you know, you can't ha- really have a problem with that yeah. piece of information. Like, I'm sorry if you thought that that could Chicago and edge that, you know, their <laughs> teammate wasn't seriously injured, but like, well, uh, I don't want you to comfort these. T- right. <laughs> like you don't, don't want, want you to comfort the remaining players on your team. <laughs> I mean, if he doesn't know that she's going to be okay, he can't tell them that she's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, it's, ugh, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's rough. It's like, you know what? It, it brings into this whole other conversation of it's like that whole idea of like gamesmanship, you know, with like the timing and the place of it all. And, and it kind of brings all that to light. And, and we talked, we talked about that in, in post game, but I, I think that moment just, um, I think ultimately it just absolutely, absolutely changed the rest of the game going forward. You had nine minutes of stoppage time. Once Gillen was, you know, secured and carted off and transported to the hospital, Sarah Gordon ended up subbing on in her place. Um, then talk about just like a, like a hell of a car to be drawn at that moment where you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, put me in coach. You know, this is not a highly emotional moment at all, you know? So kudos to Sarah Gordon for just getting in there and doing her job. Um, And both teams, I think just trying to play out those nine to 10 minutes and just pretty much be able to get into the locker room and just get into halftime and just sort of, um, regroup. And I think we ended up seeing just a hell of a match in that second 45, honestly. Um, just, just a continuation, I think of the tempo that both teams were trying to play. I think there was a lot more, um, back and forth. I think there were plenty of times where it looked like Seattle was going to score. There were a few times there where it looked like Chicago was going to, um, it all kind of again came to a head. I believe it was like in the 62nd or 63rd minute where you had Danny Colaprico um, just get laid out. <laughs> there was a collision. Uh, both players looked to be going for the ball. I believe it was with Jess Fishlock. And um, <clears throat> both of these players are, let's, you know, let's just be real. They're both of these players are not very tall, right? Um but they but jump they real good. Jump pretty high. <laughs> they both got some ops, turns out. Um, they can they can both get up there. And uh it looked like Colaprico's head and the shoulder of like just ended up just sort of colliding and it was a big, big con like full contact in the air, and it was not a pretty landing. Um, that's a long way to fall down when you got those kind of hops. And so, uh, it was just another, just another 
moment where people were just kind of like, oh no, you know, like you got to be kidding me. And it was another moment where Chicago had to use a substitution due to a significant injury like that. And for, for Danny Colaprico, her, hers was her coming up was, it was definitely more, I was told it was um, definitely more precautionary as far as, you know, to follow the appropriate concussion protocols. Um, so they, after talking to her a little bit after the collision, they were like, okay, no, you know, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna come off. And then, um, Michelle Vasconcelos was the player that, that subbed on for, for Danny Colaprico in, in the 66th minute. Yeah. Um, I mean, to use like very rudimentary, awful dated language, you know, Danny Colaprico just, she got her bell rung, you know, she got the wind knocked out of her. <laughs> That's what they say in like, fo- like American football all the time. Oh, their bell rung so yeah. they need to you know take some snaps yeah. off but like if you're an actual human being who knows things about the body that means that she probably should leave the game even if she uh you know passes concussion protocol so um I'm glad that they pulled her I'm and I agree that um at that point both teams looked dangerous but they looked almost just as destined to another scoreless draw as they did for someone to find kind of a breakthrough and Colaprico is way more important than, you know, the final half hour of that game. And so I thought it was cool that that they pulled her. That was the right thing to do. Yeah, no, agreed. Absolutely. And I I think um I think you you actually hit on something really important there, how it looked it almost and not even looked, but definitely felt like the vibe just sort of felt with the soccer that we were watching from both of these teams on this pitch that I wouldn't have been surprised if it was a zero zero draw, which was funny because of the predictions that you and I had going into this match. We're like, there's going to be goals this match. Yeah. It's going to happen. Like someone's going to like, you know, you know, win, like maybe it'll be like a one, one draw. Maybe it'll be like a two, two draw. Or maybe like someone will win two, one, you know, and it ended up being something completely different. Like, you know, you, there was no way anyone out there could have predicted what was going to happen during, during this match, but just, high emotions all the way down the stretch and they just absolutely absolutely hit their peak when you had Michelle Betos take this goal kick. Oh man, we're about to talk about it. We're going to talk about this cuz yeah. I think people need to know, recognize, you better recognize cuz if you don't know, now you know. Yep. Yuki Nagasato is the damn shark boss and you better pay your respects because she was just there waiting and just poached this very, let's be real. It was a very poor distributed ball and just nails this perfect header of a pass, lays it off to Sam Kerr and Sam Kerr was just not going to miss on that goal. You just saw it in her stride and the way she took that touch because there's been a couple moments where Sam Kerr has had some wide open looks on net and the net gets too big and she's kind of missed it, but not, not that night. And it went right into net. And I, I got a little nervous because I know that Sam Kerr, when she came back from qualifiers, I know there was a struggle with a bit of a shoulder injury. And for people out there who keep asking or talking about it, and that's kind of like getting a little bit old, but Sam Kerr has already like gone out there on record and has said that, 
that the backflips are probably postponed for a while, y'all. Like she's got some shoulder, <laughs> I had a shoulder issue. Like that's probably not going to happen for let her live, let her live, y'all. So that rang in the back of my mind. And I'm not going to lie, when that goal went in there, I, I almost thought we were going to get a backflip because Sam Kerr just went, she went so hard. She was running so hard. And I'm like, oh, Lord, she's getting a running start. But she ended up just opting for the the righteous the righteous fist pump of yeah. emotion. And um, you can just, it was just like the noise that came out of everybody in that stadium was was uh, phenomenal. And it was just quite the goal. Yeah. Um, I... Oh man, everything about that goal was so good. First of all, uh, every rain defender was drifting towards Yuki, which was perfect because she notices everything. And she saw Kerr with space. And oh God, that header was so perfect. And then Beto's, I thought, moved a bit. Like, if you, if you watch that goal in slow motion, I don't want to take anything away from Kerr because it was the perfect shot, but it was savable. But Beto's moved like she knew that she'd messed up, and all it was just going to take there was for Sam to have a cooler head, and she did. She just passed it right into the goal. And, yeah, like, the emotion, even, even just in one, you know, righteous fist bump, you could tell how much that whole team – just needed to let the pressure out of this game. And that did that immediately. And it was awesome. It was pretty awesome. And I think you and I can both agree that um, if that goal wasn't scored and if this game was a loss or even a draw, but more specifically a loss that we were recapping on this show today, that you and I probably would be going in a little bit differently <laughs> on this episode we'd get fined by the league they'd find a way they'd find a way to find us you're not officially affiliated but we gotta find you for what you're about to say on this podcast saying some inappropriate things is not okay it's not acceptable yeah but it's um yeah it, it was just talked about like an emotional game you just saw it all over their faces right you know and uh i think to seattle's credit this was an 87th minute goal right and just considering the the tone of the game and the tempo of the game at that point, <clears throat> they absolutely did not slow down. There was four minute, three or four minutes of stoppage time that were added on, and um, Seattle very, very nearly equalized on a couple locations there. Most specifically, in their very last attempt, um, there was a, a corner kick that was uh, issued. And that wasn't, I need to be very clear about this. It wasn't a corner kick. Uh, initially, the sideline official who had the clearest view of this moment um, initially called a goal kick for Chicago. And then the center official, the official AR, ended up running from behind after Megan Rapino screamed her head off and then allowed a corner kick and overrided the sideline official who initially had the better view. Um, so then it was a corner kick. And um, Megan Rapino rightfully took her spot uh, by the corner flag, and Michelle Betos ended up coming up because it's all hands on deck. And for people who aren't aware of Michelle Betos' history, she is a goalkeeper that can score on late set pieces. Yes, indeed. So as soon as she ran in there, uh, I immediately knew 
that she was a target. And sure enough, Megan Rapino delivered this ball straight to Michelle Betos, who got ahead on it and ended up laying it off to it sort of fell for Jasmine Spencer, who was a, a, a late halftime sub for, for Seattle. And then there was a bit of a collision between uh, her and Alyssa Nair. And then this, the ball ended up being just sort of a, a, dead, a dead ball just going out. And uh, Alyssa Nair had a, she actually had a, a bruise already, like sort of on her thigh. So I think that maybe just sort of uh, aggravated uh, things of the collision. And I'm sure it, I'm sure it hurt because it is not, not a pretty bruise at all. It's very, very visible. Um, in post game, she mentioned that she's going to be all right. Um, but after that was done, you could just tell everybody was ready to get out of there. <laughs> uh, Julie Ertz ended up taking that goal kick. And then the final whistle blew and the Red Stars had themselves a big, big win and a, and a big three points and a pretty, pretty emotional game. Yeah, uh, it it felt <laughs> there was some uh, some some discussion uh, post game whether or not Sam Kerr said it was a statement game or if we did, but uh, it felt <laughs> like one. It yeah, really it awesome. did, um, and it it I think also if you look at just kind of the deeper narrative of. Sam Kerr as Chicago's striker this added that this added to that mythology in a very fun way for me I think personally I uh you know you have the hat trick against Sky Blue and that's you know one whole other thing but um getting a goal at the very end uh in a game like this that's what you you know that's what you pay for when you get a striker like Sam Kerr so um I thought it was great it was definitely an emotional release um and it could have not gone that way so in a way i also feel uh, kind of lucky to have been able to walk away with that one with a win yeah no for sure i mean it, it took until the 87th minute right to to finally get that goal and and seattle nearly got one again in in 90 the 94th minute of of stoppage time so it was looking like it it could have gone down as a draw whether that was zero zero or or one one so but I'm I'm sure the three points at this time of the season <clears throat> feel much better than um a highly emotional draw yeah I mean game. I I just one one final thing I kind of just want to put in there is I know that uh in in a couple different circles we talk sometimes about like club Rapino Megan Rapino about how you love her when she's uh playing for your team but you hate it when she does it against you. And she's had, you know, games that work better in that respect against the Red Stars. I remember what was it was the uh, it, was, oh, it was either two years ago. Are or you last talking year. about the two, the two, two penalty game? Oh, that was, that was so annoying. Yeah, the two <laughs> game. I'll never forget that. Oh, my God. It yeah. was so annoying. I was um, like, really? Two yeah. PKs. Two PKs. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, and so I think you saw some I think you saw some of that. Uh, this weekend, I, you know, I, I obviously don't take it personally, but um, especially when you have a game where there is like a serious injury, you wonder if maybe a player should have it in them to pull themselves out of that at least a tiny bit, you know, and and sort of recognize the situation yeah. and maybe you kind of reel that in for a second. Yeah, you would yeah. think, especially from a veteran player who's been around a long time. Right. Um, I don't think it's wrong to maybe want to expect more out of uh, a player like that, but um, yeah. So that's the thing where I'm like, you know, don't boo Megan Rapino forever, but boo her that night. Sure. Fine. 
Yeah, you know? <laughs> everybody gets a, a pass that time. Yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty it was it was pretty funny just because again having to report on it in that moment and stuff like that. And it was so funny because like um, I was just talking about how like Aaron Gillen and I got carted off and that like. Megan Rapino was now getting booed and I put like a random like gif like a confused like a confused gif or whatever and I guess people thought that it was appropriate to be like well it's happening because of these reasons and I was just like guys like I'm here I'm super aware of <laughs> of why you're booing Megan Rapino. I just want to you know get a little more information for you guys like give me a second and it right. wasn't until like you know a little bit after the fact, as as that first half was winding down, we started to get um, sort of the reasoning why our, our, you know, there was a moment in our press box there where we were given some information about, you know, in regards to why there was sort of like some words being exchanged between Megan Rapinoe and the official. And then we found out it was because, you know, Rory Dame was taking the opportunity to coach on the field. And that was her issue. And, and Megan Rapinoe pretty much just confirmed that in, in postgame comments. But there were a lot of great postgame comments. Um, and I want to plug your piece right now before we sort of close out this show um Megan Rapino took some time to talk to those of us in, in in the press um about the game and then we also had some time with Sam Kerr and then we also had some time with with Rory Dames and um during our game weeks when I hit you guys uh with the preview Claire's excellent with hitting you guys with the recap and um we'll also include some post game audio in those recaps um and you can check that out at Hot Time in Old Town uh, with within the recap there that Claire did. They're gonna see you're gonna hear the the post game audio from from those from those three if you're if you're all interested in yeah, sort of bravely recorded by deeper. Sandra. I only yeah. get what she gives me, guys. So she's out <laughs> there. She's in the field. She's on the front line. She's getting the she's getting the things you want to know. Just I'm I'm getting I'm trying to get Sam Kerr to swear as much as I can for you guys. <laughs> I loved, I loved that she, she said, I love that she said shitty early on and then got very nervous about saying ass later. <laughs> I think it was, uh, I think it was just in regards, because it was in regards to, to Yuki Nagasato. Yeah. She was asked about sort of the relationship that they're forming and, you know, she realized that she was talking about somebody else, like her teammate and was just like, uh, she ran her uh, ass off. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's just one of, one of those moments, but a lot of, a lot of good stuff. And, um, I thought it was really important to sort of um, to hear some of the good things um, coming from both Rory Dames and Sam Kerr, just sort of about her season with the Red Stars thus far. Sam Kerr is um, always great uh, post game. You can always expect her to be very honest and speak from the heart. I think that's um, become apparent. And uh, same with Rory Dames. So I think it's kind of unique that there's these two people who are sort of um both these big integral parts of this team right now um and they both had some good things to say about um the other in this post game as well so it was good to sort of hear that stuff coming out of a highly emotional match yeah absolutely um especially uh i liked that uh you know the continuity between specifically you there there are comments from Megan Rapino in there as well if you want to know what maybe her rebuttal to some of the earlier drama was, but uh, consistent comments asking Kerr specifically about her goal, because it, it's been, you know, well noted that Kerr has had some, you know, sitters, if you will, that she's missed and maybe what's going on mentally there. And 
she credited dames and the coaching staff to really just being very back to basics there. Just pass it into the goal. You're one-on-one. You're not shooting. You're passing. And that was great. And it was, it, I, I love it. I particularly love it when uh, a player or a coach can really break down why something worked because then you get a glimpse into what they're talking about. Uh, not on game day, just when they're practicing. And, um, Dames also had some really great things to say about Kerr in just that um, she's so good at the hard stuff. He's, you know, he sees all the time how good she is at the hard stuff. Uh, But once she has maybe just the experience, even she's still only 24, you just need more games in you to really just always hit with the easy stuff. He specifically said uh, by the time uh, the World Cup 2019 rolls around, uh, she, it's gonna, she's going to be a real force to be w- reckoned with. So I love that. I think that that kind of stuff is great. Yeah. It shows that there's a coaching staff that knows what they're doing, knows who they're working with, and knows what they need. And yeah. and I thought, I was like, wow, all of those pieces specifically led to this win. So yeah, guess, absolutely. as someone who's analyzing the team, I loved everything coming out of that. Yeah, I thought, I thought the post-game stuff coming out was just as important sort of as what we were seeing unfold on the pitch over the 90 minutes. So yeah, good stuff. And everybody, please take the time to, to check it out over at hottimeinalltown.com. And we're going to end this uh, show here because the, the Red Sox actually are going into a bye week coming up. So we're actually going to hold off on previewing their next game because we want to give you guys some content during that bye week. And during that bye week, we will go ahead and preview that. Um, the Red Stars are going to play on July 28th against uh, Sky Blue FC. And uh, in between all that, it'll probably also be a combination of previewing that match and sort of talking about the Tournament of Nations uh, coming up. So there will be a roster drop eventually. And there will probably be some Red Stars on it, right? And we will talk about that and preview Sky Blue. So while we end this, re- end this episode... Uh, just let everybody know where they can find you, Claire, and check out all your good work. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at Hot Time in Old Town. Uh, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll cook up some stuff over the next week to uh, to to bring to everybody some some good content, even though we don't have even though the Red Stars have a well deserved weekend off. Uh, you can also find me on the Equalizer. Uh, I write for them as well, and that's a little bit more. You'll definitely see some Tournament of Nations content coming from from that. Uh, that area and you can find me follow me on twitter i'm at scout ripley uh that is the name of my band and myself and i uh yeah i try to kind of stay on top of everything there so yeah follow me on there yeah you all should definitely follow scott ripley on there if you're into the intro and the outro of these episodes that we're doing you should go and support your favorite local chicago band scott ripley and hit them up and like buy their stuff and support the music. If you want to follow me and my shenanigans, you can continue to follow my work over at hottimeinotown.com. If you want to follow me personally on Twitter, you can do that at sandrera underscore. That's H-E-R-R-E-R-A underscore. If you want to continue supporting Southside Trap Podcast, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Southside Trap Pod. That's with one letter P, guys. Southside Trap Pod. And you can go ahead and find us on Podbean. And you can find us on iTunes at Southside Trap Podcast. And so go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button, like, maybe leave a review, say what's up, 
Good job. We like to read nice things. But uh, yeah, we'll see you all soon. Peace.